Um, hello and welcome back to A Woman's Place. Um, we've been on another hiatus, but, you know, um, as I put up on Instagram recently, we're just really um, queens of inconsistency and that's just our personalities. Uh, maybe not, sorry, actually it's just my personality. But um, yeah, so just roll with it. We're uh, enjoying making the ones that we do. We're not trying to force any of them. Um, maybe we'll get a little bit more consistent as the summer comes along, but, uh, yeah, it's just been stressful and Circa's teaching and I am, what's the word, a procrastinator. So, uh, yeah, but if you're listening, thank you for coming back. Uh, I am Tina as usual, and this is... I'm Circa and, um, again, we've just been really busy with this lockdown, um, trying to work from home Mm -hmm. and everything else and, yeah, so we're back better than ever of course and today we were going to do just like a little short podcast on um hiberno english so you probably know mm. that um hibernia was the roman name for ireland it's the latin name for ireland um and hiberno english is the specific type of english that we speak in ireland so it mm. tends i'm actually go on no, no. I was just going to say it, it tends to kind of confuse like non-native speakers of English. So, like if you're American or Australian, like you're going to understand us. No bother. It's just going to be words that stand out here and there. But if you're like a non-native speaker from like South America or Asia, then it's kind of the way that we speak and how we structure our sentences and like the lexicon and the syntax are very, very different from what you learn in, you know, like a standard um, English kind of as a foreign language or English as an additional language uh, class. So a lot of the things that mm-hmm. they would teach in that class are not words that we would use here. They definitely would use them like in America and England. But there is kind of an unusualness about the English that we speak in Ireland. And we're just going to talk about today why that is and give some kind of cool examples as to why that is. Yeah, I actually, you know, like I study languages myself. I'm st- currently studying Portuguese and French again. But um, then the next language I'm going to learn is Irish for sure. But I always even has a, as a child was like, why is this called this? Like, why is the sky called the sky and not a chair? Like, why? And no one ever had the answers to those questions. But I think um, I think learning about the origins of some words, especially ones that like have permeated like England, the uh, America, etc., are just like so interesting and actually are a great way of learning history. I think it's like because you have to learn the 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 you know the origin of the of the word which usually a lot of the time it was because of some historical moment so it's like I think it's a cool way of learning history. Yeah and kind of another thing Um, about the Irish language like the Hiberno English or the language that we speak in Ireland is that a lot of it um, Irish as a language itself um, I'd be I'd a fairly good Irish like and when you look mm. at most Irish words, like they're very, very much linked to like the landscape and they're very much linked the to land, yeah. the, the natural world around us because that was the life of our ancestors. So a lot of the words mm. that are used um, for certain things are like even the fact that, you know, they say stuff like um, the Eskimos have over 100 words for snow because they live in that mm-hmm. environment. Well, Ireland has over 30 words for a field like the big yeah. field, the small field, the hilly field, the boggy field. Um, mm-hmm. And we have over 30 words for that. So that just proves like how in touch with kind of nature and agriculture, like our ancestors were and how that affected their use of language. Yeah. And like even examples like um, I think of one that's kind of become famous now is like the ladybird is like God's little cow or you know um the an, an octopus or a jellyfish is like um ocean snot or something um so it's like it's just very creative and i think that for me definitely because i've learned you know i i i have nearly three latin languages now well english is germanic i suppose but um uh yeah i have that perspective but there's nothing like the Irish is a completely different perspective to to like it's a di- completely different lens when it comes to nature, and so I'm really interested in learning something like that. So I can't wait. Um, but yeah, let's let's get into some of these words. Okay, so the first thing that I wanted to point out is that um, just in general, the way that we speak in um, Ireland, where they would speak English in Ireland, is kind of almost directly translated from the Irish itself. 
So mm-hmm. what happened was when um, English became more popular and Irish became less popular, many Irish speakers, they just began to graft English words onto the structures and the syntax of Irish language. So there's a kind of a, a um, English in Ireland went through like a phase of pigeonization and then creolization. But it's very different from, we'll say, somewhere like maybe Haitian Creole, where um, there's a mix of lots of different languages because Ireland is kind of unique in its language mixing. Um, And that's because of the uniqueness of the Irish language itself. So like Irish is one of six Celtic languages. um, Very like, unfortunately, we're kind of us and Welsh are the probably the strongest of those languages then followed by maybe like Scots Gaelic mm-hmm. and then Manx which is doing very poorly and Breton which is doing very poorly as well unfortunately and Cornish which actually mm-hmm. died and was revived by mm-hmm. people in Cornwall but it would be nowhere as strong I'd say Welsh is probably the strongest Celtic language because they have um, yeah. huge resources poured into it unlike our government because I think like the reason that our government isn't as good as others for that is because it's like, it's like a form of like post-colonial hatred of ourselves you know like we were taught to mm-hmm. hate Irish for such and taught to hate be, being Irish for such a long time that it, fe- it affected our language um, and the way that we learn so just for like a really quick example like um, ye is not a word that you find in um, in standard English and Americans say y'all in old English. Yeah. In old English, they use ye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's not but a word that, it's a, yeah, it's like second person plural. It's not a word that you find in modern English. Americans have y'all, and I'm sure Australians have some other word for it, but ye is is our word for it. Um, and in a second... Ye or yiz. Yeah, yizzer in Dublin as well, which I... Oh. Yiz, use. Are yiz going? Yeah, don't, don't yiz, like that. use, ye. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then we also have like the use of after in the perfect tense. So like, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm after getting a new dog or I'm after having a row with him because in Irish there's no verb for the word to have so like ca is used a lot for have but it actually means like to wear or to take so like to take into your body so like ca of tobacco would be smoking so like to take mm-hmm. the smoke into your body um so we don't have a word for have really so people used to use like tarish like come tarish so like I'm after my dinner so oh, it kind of it, oh. it went into the English lexicon in Ireland then. Mm-hmm. And the last one then. It actually did. Uh, one. I, there was one example like for just, I, I for years and years, I think I was 19 and I was in the RDF. If anyone who doesn't know what the RDF was, it's the reserve armies. And I was down in Bear Island. There was these two rich ones from Wexford. And I said, oh, they said, oh, how, how long are they going out? You know, like how long are they boyfriend and girlfriend I was like oh they they've been going out with um maybe three weeks and they were like with and I was like yeah with three weeks they were like with I was like yeah what what and they were like that's not correct it's like what do you mean it's not correct yes it is correct and I didn't I never and I was like oh but like and I don't think my English teacher ever taught me that like I was in honors English I must have used it but she mightn't have seen it either because just so, so normal. commonly part yeah. of the, the, yeah, so normal that I wouldn't have been like, oh, that's incorrect. Because it's not, you know, like, it's not but again, that's either. There's no such thing. As... That whole, like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's, that's tr- translating directly from Irish. And the last one that I think really confuses, like, non-native speakers <clears> is <throat> the echo answers that we give in Hiberto English. So we all know in Irish mm. there are no words for yes or no chat or neil are not the words for yes or no they they themselves are not a complete word you need the phrase um and the phrase is that you repeat the verbal form so um on in to dionair did you eat your dinner i did so i ate mm. so like on will to uh tom are you going to the shop today i am so when like people yeah. like, irish people will still say like will you do that for me i will instead of yes or no they'll say mm. i will did you go to the shop i did um, and that really confuses yeah. um, non-native speakers of English because they're like, why why can't you just say yes or no? And you're like, but that's not how we do it. You know? Yeah. In in Portuguese, they use a lot of the verb form as well, but they do have verbs. They do have words for yes and no, but they it would be common for them. Like, oh, so like I am, you know, like it would become a common to uh, to to use the verb form as well. Um, but they do have words for yes or no when they want yeah. them in the sec. Yeah. So what we did basically, guys, is we just kind of 
chose a few words that are very common in like standard English and that are linked to Ireland. Mm -hmm. So the first one, and and this kind of always amazes people, and it amazed me the first time that I found it, is the word. So fun. Tory. So yeah. We all know Tories are members of the English um, Conservative Party or members of the Canadian Conservative Party, depending on your current location. Um, And it's really such an unusual, um, like etymological, ah, etymological, that's the word I wanted. Um, It's such an interesting etymological background because Tory comes from the Irish verb tor, which means to pursue, T-O father I-R, and it means to, to pursue or to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it came to mean was an outlaw, a robber, or a brigand. And the reason for that mm-hmm. was that when um, the Cromwellian plantation of Ireland happened, um, a lot of people, they didn't want to be planted, as you can imagine. <laughs> they didn't fancy it. And so... Um, these kind of roaming bands of what we would call today probably guerrilla warriors, um, but they didn't really have a word for them at the time. What they did was they moved into the woods and into the kind of uninhabited areas um, of Ireland. And every so often they would come out and attack the planters who were um, who were trying to farm or trying to build a house or whatever. They would come out of the woods and attack them. And so um, it became like a kind of a term of abuse so like, you know, um, you, mm. you Irish rebel would be you Tory. And that's kind of where it started. But what happened then was very, very strange was um, James the James the first died and they were looking for a, a new king. And they were like, geez, where are we going to get a new king from? Um, but they 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 didn't want a Catholic ruler, like as in people of the said the people of England didn't want a Catholic ruler. But what actually happened was. The, it was the first time in England that there was two distinct political parties who split like down a kind of a key issue. And the Tories, mm-hmm. the Tories split down the issue of he was the he's the king because he has the blood of a king. And the other party, the Whigs, split down the issue of he can't be the king because he's not a Protestant. And so the Tories wow. took the name Tory because it was being given to them. And it came to mean um, a conservative uh, politician or a conservative person but what an unusual route like for a word to take mm. to go from meaning an Irish rebel to a very conservative English politician just yeah I I think though the idea of thief and um, and uh, that that still applies though because that's all they do yeah um, but yeah that's um I love that one. I think it was um, what what actually triggered this idea was um, uh, that word. I was like, "Feck it, yeah." There, there are so many words like that in such unusual um, in the Irish language. Yeah, so unusual. It's fun to definitely to go back over the the next one. Then, so the next one that we were um, we were thinking about was uh, Chris's suggestion was langer. So. Mm. Langer is a very cork word, a very kind of monster word, mm-hmm. but it kind of got national. There's a song. Exactly. It got national attention back mm-hmm. in like the 2004, 2005, because these guys from Cork wrote yeah. a song called The Langer Song and about it describing. I'll sing. I'll oh, sing. Go on, sing a few bars. I'll sing a little bit for you there now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Langer. No, no, that's wrong. Your langar in Cork, she'd be known as a langar. And it just describes all the various situations in which someone could be called a langar. Um, And the current definition of a langar is a stupid, annoying person or a penis. And then langers, the plural, is, you know, a group of stupid people. Or it can also mean drunk or like that you you're fucked up um and that like you can't mind yourself you're langers you're all over the shop um and it's got two kind of interesting uh possible uh origins we're not sure which is true one of them is that it originated a slang for your dick um which comes from an irish word langera which means um a long slender salmon so like as we said irish is all Mm -hmm. about um words for nature and words for different creatures so that's possibly one area where it came from and then the second possibility is that um there was an army regiment called the munster fusiliers and they were posted from cork to india and they were absolutely plagued by langer monkeys when they were in india 
So like these monkeys, as we've all seen on social media, they're very, very clever. You know, they come along, they steal your food, they'll take your hat, they'll jump up on you. Um, they've really got very little fear of humans. And people mm-hmm. think that maybe when they came back from India, that that Langer came into their lexicon as a way to describe somebody who was annoying or kind of a pest because these Langer monkeys were pests when they were out in India. Yeah. So that's kind of actually the one. The lyrics of that song are, have you seen the young man, the drunken all out, roaring and bawling and spilling his stout, and in everyone's business you'll see, if you'll first see his snout, down in Cork he'd be known as a langer, 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 down in Cork he'd be known as a langer. And that was around the time as well that um, the Jumbo Breakfast Roll came out. You know, yeah. those songs, it was around that time. So there was these kind of like fun country songs that came out that are like satire, that are really like, that are just on the nose. And that that's, a, I think it was played. And it was just one of these times that the rise of anti-cork sentiment really took hold be- because like, jealous. we were like, that fucking song. And it was just like, yeah. And we were like, yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, it was a great, it was a great old tune. So my yeah, I would one. like, I would commonly. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was just saying, I would commonly use it as just like. I was fucking langers, but I was just langers. Definitely. That's the way that um, I'd use it the, more than calling someone a langer. I would say that I was langer, yeah. if I'm honest. Uh, the the yeah. next one is like really, for me, like super interesting because it's a word that everybody around mm-hmm. the world will know no matter what part of the world you're from. And it's the word boycott. So yeah. to boycott is to abstain from buying, using um, or dealing with a person, organization or country as an expression of protest. So it was first used um, by Parnell and the Irish Land League. So for those of you who don't know, um, Charles Stuart Parnell was a political mover and shaker in Ireland in the late 1800s. And part of his political moving and shaking was the organisation of the Irish Land League, which aimed to get rights for tenants in Ireland, which obviously previously had been very, very poor. Um, So there was this guy who lived in Mayo and his name was Charles Cunningham Boycott. And he... Um, one year his his tenants had a very very poor harvest and they were kind of asking him like you know we've had a really poor harvest like you hardly want our full rent and he was like no I do want your full rent uh, you're getting evicted if you don't pay your full rent so there was kind of some murmurings you know in the community and uh, Parnell gave a speech to a crowd of Land League members where he asked uh, what do you do with a tenant who bids for a farm from which his neighbor has been evicted. And the crowd, very angry, like this is only, you know, 25 years after the famine, um, they're very, very angry. And they say like, we should kill him, we should shoot him. And Parnell says, no, I have a much better idea. And he says, "Um, I wish to point out to you a very much better way, a more Christian and charitable way, which will give the lost man an opportunity of repenting. When a man takes a farm from which another has been evicted, you must shun him, shun him on the roadside, shun him in the streets of the town, shun him in the shop shun him on the fair green and in the marketplace and even in the place of worship by leaving him alone by isolating him from the rest of his country as if he were the leper of old you show him your death your detestation of the crime you've committed so the speech set out the land league's powerful weapon of social ostracism which they first used against this guy charles boycott first the local tradesmen refused to work for him then the local shops refused to serve him then all of his servants resigned Um, And people shunned him in public. So that was in, we'll say, um, maybe September. And by November, Boycott, the man, had to leave. He could find nobody to work for him, nobody to till his fields, nobody to wash his clothes, nothing. Um, And even when he tried to leave, they couldn't find a driver for his cab. Nobody would drive him. So they actually ended up having Mm. to call the army to come and get him and take all of his stuff out of his house. Um, this worked so well that boycotts became, well, it became a byword for the form of social ostracization. And it also took off all over Ireland and people actually started doing it to, to all of their landlords, to anybody who kind of treated them badly. And the entire community would just turn their back on that person. And it's a really powerful non-violent weapon to use against people Mm -hmm. like that. And I was recently watching a documentary about Argentina and, you know, all the people that were disappeared by the government um, over there in the 70s and 80s. And this woman, 
her brother was disappeared and she knows who did it. Um, and she realized maybe 20 years after he went missing, she realized that the man who disappeared, her brother, was living on the same street as she was. So she bought a billboard and she put up this man's picture and she said, this man is responsible for the disappearance of my brother. Ignore him, shun him. And so that's what they started to do. Um, they started in the 90s and um, basically anybody who recognized, say, like a former member of the junta or like a former member of the military who was involved in these disappearances, they would spread the word in the community and the community would shun that person and they would have to move mm -hmm. from that community. And she said, like, you know, I know I'll never get justice for my brother. These people will never be charged with any crime, but I'm not going to make their life easy. I'm not going to let them like live, you know, a happy retirement when they're responsible for the deaths of and disappearances of thousands of people. So the boycott actually still is still working when you are, you know, very powerless against like a much bigger enemy. It's one of the things that you can use. And I just think like that's such a cool um, way for a word to come into the lexicon. Yeah, it's it's actually it's such a a tool that's still used in Ireland very much like and in social situations sometimes to like sometimes in a bad way but also it is a way that people you know it's kind of like this shadow cancelling you know that they call cancel culture now yeah oh definitely it, it, people people quietly say like don't hire that person or blah, blah blah because he did this or or she did that or whatever um and obviously it can be abused but it is still when there is no justice in the larger environment there's also a way you know there's also a there's a social there is a social price as well when people team together that can be quite effective and and because the reason it's so effective is because we're pack animals you know we're we're community orientated so the the feeling of being socially ostracized is is really really painful and um it works under yeah, it works so. under the kind of um the threat of social ostracization as well like I assume mm -hmm. that when the first boycott happened and when, when Charles boycott himself was boycotted, I'd say there were people in the village that were like, Erin, it's grand. He never did anything to me. I'm not going to bother. And then they were socially ostracized or they knew that they would mm. be ostracized if they didn't participate in the boycott. So it's like a double whammy, mm. if you know what I mean. Like either you participate or yeah. we're going to shun you too. Like, you know, um, but it worked yeah, really well. Yeah, it would well. be a big thing in like West Cork. It would be a big thing in West Cork, for instance, like, I don't know if this is the same in the city, but like, there's a, you know, it'll go around the houses and then people will slow, slowly stop going to those shops, say, if someone is a business owner um, and they won't go out of business, but they uh, like, I don't I don't think I've seen a situation where people have gone out of business, but they'll just like shift their business and it will impact them in that way. You know, um, I'm sure it has happened that people have gone out of business, to be fair. But um, yeah, so I just think it's um, can be used in good and bad ways. But yeah, it's such an interesting route of boycott as well. So my next um, one up next? is um, the word hooligan. So we know the current definition. It's like used a lot by tabloids and stuff. It's usually a young man who engages in rowdy or violent behavior, especially as part of a group or gang. Synonyms would be like ruffian or hoodlum. Um, and... <laughs> it's got like such a pejorative history. Uh, so it in the 1890s, you know, there were lots of these, um, and before and after, there were lots of these English comics and they would make kind of uh, racist and pejorative comics about different members of the British Empire. So there would be like Irish people, Indian people, Nigerian people, people from South Africa, mm -hmm. people from, you know, the Middle East, and they would, um, depict them in a like a really stereotypical and pejorative way. So one of these um, these comics was called Nuggets, and it featured an Irish immigrant family called the O'Hooligans. Um, mm. And as you can imagine, you can probably imagine how they were portrayed. Like the father is a drunken lout, and the mother has nineteen children, and none of them work, and they're all lazy, feckless layabouts. Um, so he it was there for about nine years this comic went on for about nine years which is a long time like and you know um it, it centered on um an irish man with his wife his goat and his children 
all living in South London in poverty. And it just kind of, it was like what you imagine, you know, it was the whole like, oh, the stupid Irish man can't figure out how paint works or, oh, the stupid Irish man Mm. can't figure out what time the bus is running. And it would just be like a comic of this Irish family and the stupid situations that they get themselves into because they're so feckless and lazy. And then the word Mm. entered the lexicon as a description for somebody who was rowdy or loud or participated like in kind of drunken brawls and stuff like that. Um, And I suppose it, it, it would be kind of, relatively obvious to an Irish person when you say like hooligan hooligan they're very very similar mm-hmm. you know so it, it to an Irish person it would kind of make sense but maybe to somebody from outside of Ireland it's the first time that you're hearing of this and you're like oh my god wow yeah so that one time I was in London one time I was in London in um, Camden Market and I was at this um this bookshop and I was like oh I'm looking for a book because I was trying to kill time and he was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And obviously he recognized my accent. And he was like, have you heard of Spike Milligan? And I was like, no. And he was like, oh, you'd love this. So he like, he was like, there, here, take this. So I bought the book and it was about this Irishman. So I was like, cool. Bought the book. And I was like, what in the motherfucking Irish stereotype is this shit? It, I cut like it was so like I, I don't want to use the word racist, but fucking racist. I was like, this is not funny. He was like, it's so funny. I was like, this is not funny. Not funny it's not when even it's about like, you, like you know. But it's it wasn't even funny. Like I can see a lot of dark humor if like you're if you're like. If you're picking the bones, you know, if you're really good at like getting in under someone's skin and like telling the truth or whatever. But this was just pure stereotype. Even the way it was written was written in this this language. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, "Uh." so I like I I thought, no, so I just didn't I didn't get to the end of that. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was like that's just another way. Like, again, you know, like, he was a very famous author in in England, uh, writing those kind of characters, uh, and that's how the English were perceiving the Irish as these like feckless, like clever but stupid slide. at the same time. Slide. You know, slide. yeah, it's a big one. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, One that I couldn't get over. Like, I love male murder mysteries. You know, I'm secretly an eighty year old at heart. You know. Mm-hmm. I used to love I, Murder She Wrote as a child. Loved it. All the time you sit down with my grandmother and watch Murder She Wrote. Loved, loved um, it. I love Agatha Christie. Mm. Agatha Christie was like a prolific mm. novelist. She wrote like 150 books, you know. But she came from a time when being pejorative against races was perfectly fine. Um, and the more of her mm-hmm. books I read, there's so much anti-Irish sentiment in them. In one book, right, that I read recently, she describes how um, a murder victim was shot from behind a hedge. So the person hid behind the hedge, shot this person and ran away, you know. And she said, the detective, mm-hmm. he hid behind the hedge in that old Irish way. Like, commenting on the war of independence, like, you know, but just like, that's not, like, don't do that. That's not cool. Um, yeah. And then there was, there's That's more like, too. you know, like um, he enjoys a drink as much as the next Irishman. Like it's all this kind of real, like real subtle, but like real kind of like poking mm. at the stereotypes of what she would have mm-hmm. imagined. And remember now, like Agatha Christie was very posh, you know, very, very posh. I doubt she ever very, actually met very. like a normal Irish person in her life. But this is like, yeah. it's throughout all her novels. I found like at least one per novel since I started reading and I've read like 30 of them. So like, you know, she's doing this yeah. on the regular. Um, but I just thought, like, like you said, like Spike Milligan is a really big deal to people in England, and he was a good poet. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but like to think that you would enjoy something like that, you know, I'm gonna enjoy the stereotypical like, depiction of my people. What is this? This is so shit. And I was just also like, I I wouldn't even mind it if it was stereotypical and it was good. But the fact was, it was shit. Like it was shit. <laughs> but I was like. I was like, this is hilarious that you, old English man, find this funny about Irish people. Like, that's telling me something about you. Yeah, definitely. But whatever, you know. Um, So my last one is actually like a really sweet, I suppose, uh, maybe my definition of sweet is different. But my last one is the the phrase to chance your arm. So for people in England Mm -hmm. will definitely know this, but maybe outside of England. 
to chance your arm is to do something risky or daring in order to get what you want. So, you know, um, you might say to somebody like, uh, oh, look, I, I, the bouncer wouldn't let me into the nightclub. And they'd be like, oh, go up again, line up again, chance your arm, like, go on, chance what happens? Um, and chance it's actually a phrase that was born in Ireland in uh, 1492. So there were two families, the Butlers of Ormond and the Fitzgeralds of Kildare were involved in a kind of a, a dispute where like for years they were, you know, picking each other off. And for years they were arguing and um, and kind of just the two families were just like at loggerheads. So what happened was they they kind of involved the Catholic, the church and they said to them, like, we want to end this, but we don't trust one another enough to like meet up and end it. So we want you to do that. So they went to St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin um, and the butlers are inside the cathedral and the Fitzgeralds are outside the cathedral. And the Fitzgeralds asked the butlers to come out and the butlers were like, no, you'll kill us. You come in. And the Fitzgeralds were like, no, you'll kill us. So. Uh, Gerard Fitzgerald, who was the leader of the Fitzgeralds, he cut a hole in the door and he stuck his arm in the door and he said, shake my hand and it'll be over. And he was taking a big mm. chance like that. Your man would just cleave his hand right off, but he didn't. He shook it. Um, and that was where the phrase chance in your arm comes from. And the hole is still there yeah, that's cool. in this door. Um, it's called the door of reconciliation. And the, the hole is still there in the door today, which is funky, like very funky. That's I don't cool. know if I'd have taken that risk myself, like, you know, uh, to lose my my arm. But I'm glad he did because it gives us a pretty interesting phrase today. Uh, and then I just have Good like phrase, two little yeah. mini ones that I like. Um, so mm -hmm. galore, like the word galore, mm -hmm. comes directly from the Irish galore, which means the exact same thing. So like, you know, um, galore means to have a lot of both in English and in Irish. And then the last one that mm -hmm. I have, um, I know I said the other one was the last one, but I lied. This one is the last one, is um, my like favourite Irish phrase that like people do not get. And it's to give out. To give out. My yeah. mother was given out to me. Don't be given out to the me. The teacher gave out to me. She was Don't given out stink. Don't be given out to me. What are you giving out to me for? And giving out. What are you giving out to me for? Means obviously to tell off or to reprimand. Um, but it. Uh, not actually, obviously, obviously to you. Yeah, people who no, don't. Not, not obviously yeah. people who aren't from Ireland. No, sorry, I should have prefaced that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So to me and Chris and to every other Irish person, it means to be told off or to be uh, reprimanded, mm -hmm. and it comes from the Irish, mm -hmm. literally, egg toramak, which literally means to give out, like as in to parcel out to people, to give out slices of bread or to give out, you know, coffee or whatever. But it's come to mean to tell off and I even remember um when I worked in London uh you know saying to people like um do you like am I gonna have to give out to you now over this and they'd be like what 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 are you trying to say to me what? or like don't be bold what now. are you saying peasant don't be bold yeah, now. yeah bold is not a word they have either to, to them being bold is to be like you know to stand out bold. and to kind of um mm. make people aware of your presence whereas to hear like you it means like saucy no be donna no be donna yeah exactly. no be donna yeah no be donna so those were the amount of times i heard that as a child in school no be donna and sometimes uh, was followed a lot. by I um, a lot. sometimes sometimes followed by yeah six she is okay just just yeah. play a fucking color okay i'm not able for you yeah, right yeah, now yeah, yeah, yeah. Color. and yeah. then you just get to put your head down oh. the desk and go for a snooze that was like the best day in primary school ever where you just annoyed the, the teacher to such an extent that they were like, right, just fuck off and go to sleep. Like, just take all that and leave me alone. And he'd be like, yeah, that's 100% what I will do. <laughs> there was a girl in my class that she was literally told to take on it every single day. I don't think she learned anything in primary really? school. Yes. <laughs> oh. I don't think she learned anything in primary school. She spent 90% of the time with her head down on her desk asleep. <laughs> I'd say she had a good time irresponsible. though irresponsible oh, she, she was always so well rested like then at, then at lunchtime we'd be yeah. playing like Red Rover or something and she'd absolutely boot through you and destroy you because she had all that extra uh. energy from Taya Gulling during the day um, um, yeah I have one or one, two here hit me. that uh, I found to dig you know like the slang term oh yeah in the 60s and 70s like do you dig it yeah, it um and actually became famous by the Beatles in their 1970 uh, 70 album Let It Be, 
but the use of the word dig, um, which means to like, appreciate or understand, is widely accepted as having to derived from the Irish language, specifically from the verb tug, meaning to understand. I'm digging to. Mm. Dig him. Dig him. I'm digging yeah, to. Yeah, so I'm, I'm digging to. Do yeah. you understand? And you say, dig him. I understand. Yeah. Yeah, it's funky. Yeah, yeah. That kind of dig crossed him. the water, though, I'd say, because it's, it's not, it's a very American phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to, like... That's Mer- that's American, like, and, and a very, like, it would have been jazz scenes, you you know, like, uh, bla- black Americans definitely adopted and made that one very famous, I yeah. would say, in, in the more broad um, culture. Um, so I thought that was a fun one. Um, I have this one, but I'm not sure about this one. Puss. Oh, puss on uh, you. Which means the person's, the puss on you, yeah. Yeah. Jesus, she's a puss on her now that I'd knock an elephant. Knock that puss off your face. Yeah, it means that, that you're scowling face. or, yeah. Yeah. Um, used to refer to a certain kind of facial pouting or looking peeved, looking pissed off. The word puss is derived from the Irish word for lips or mouth, puss. Um, according to Irish Central, it was from here that the slang word for female genitals, pussy, um, oh, also derived. That. I could see that. Mm, also, one of the several Gaelic terms that have been adapted into common American slang. Right, but um, also in French, you say chat is just like a cat. But if you say machette and you put a hard T on it, it's pussy too. So I wonder. Um, it's like I cat. I love the word mm-hmm. gowl. 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 Oh, I have that oh, here. Oh, go on. Go on. Hit me with that. Gowl. Gowl. There's two theories here. Um, the most uh, wildly held one is the one uh, the, come from gall, the Irish word for an English person. So you gowl. Um, would might explain the use of a cork uses cork usage of gowl to mean an eejit. Uh, the other theory relating to its more uh, obscene or obscene meaning is that it may be from the Irish gowl, meaning junction, gowl. fork or crotch. Gowl, gowl, gowl. Yeah. But I reckon not that. Definitely the gowl um, to to mean an eejit. Because I think I learned in secondary school when we were doing... Um, the history of Irish, you know, it was like Gowl came up as something like that. It, thing, it came up like ghost or... Um, like, the, the Irish word for like a foreigner is a Sasnock. So like someone from outside of Ireland is a Sasnock. And then like people from England would be Sasna. So like it's not, it's mm. not the Irish word for somebody uh, from England. It definitely could be like a slang term that people used long ago. A slang term, yeah. But like it was in the books. It was like a hundred percent of the books. It was like gowl. Um, and I'll have to dig it out, but like that'll be hard to find now. Because, but it was definitely we learned it, um, in school, in secondary school, that it was like a gowl meaning an English person. And then the other um, one is G A B H A L, isn't it? And it means like a junction or like a fork. Yeah, a fork at the road. Yeah. So it's you know. Yeah, that doesn't really. Your gowl is definitely your Egypt, like your fool. But also, like people um, from Limerick last... would say gowl, like as in like your your vagina, like gowl. Like people from Limerick mm. would say the word gowl to describe like a vagina, but also to describe a dope, like or a person who's annoying or whatever. So, yeah, interesting. One, tell me the next one. Hit me. Speaking of vaginas, Ooh. this is my last one now. Um, Love talking about gi. vaginas. Go on. <laughs> yeah, the gi. From oh, the yes. ancient, uh, probably from the ancient Sheila Nagig. Yes, yeah. Um, which we now call Sheila Sheila Nagig. Um, there are carvings found in churches of naked women grasping giant, exaggerated versions of their vaginas. Yes. So they're like, probably sometimes the, it's just the vagina and the head. <laughs> um, but they're just like. I love a good Sheila Nagig. They're Nagig-Gig. just like. They're very like for for yeah. a, for a kind of a country like Ireland where we were so repressed like for such a long time to have these random women like literally showing you their whole vaginas on churches and on old stone buildings it's a really like juxt isn't it such a juxtaposition to be like that Ireland was so I, now I know they're ancient obviously but what I mean is like do you imagine people in the seventeen hundreds being like what the fuck is that up there mm. on the church like. 
what the fuck is yeah. that? You know, I just imagine to be like really confusing for them back then. To be like, okay, the priest says, right, but I don't, we're not allowed to do that. But then I, there's I, a woman I, on the wall showing her fanny. So I don't know. I wonder, yeah, I feel like the, the toxic, was the toxic shame as toxic all along or was that like a, a real post-colonial no uh, it was it situation was, like i mean the toxic shame that we experienced like and that our parents would have experienced was definitely post-colonialism but like prior to that mm-hmm. it still wouldn't have we wouldn't have been like a very we still would have been a very sexually repressed society because the whole world was a very se- yeah. sexually repressed society the whole western yeah, yeah, world yeah, should yeah, i yeah, say yeah. was a very sexually repressed society at the time um yeah, I love the Sheila gigs. I think they're really funky. Um, you find them like all over Ireland, but particularly like in Munster and in Leinster, which is really cool. I think. I forgot to actually say like "gee" is the Irish word for vagina. Like that's where like you'd be like, "How's your gee?" And we also oh, and then it also mentioned that "gee bag" is the is the slang for condom. Yeah, we have a lot of like in Ireland. We just have a lot of slang that you is gee like. Bag you know an insulting word but with just something put on to the end of it do you know what I mean like bag Mm. or ball or like it's just like we mash the two words together which is actually something that Irish does as well the Irish language so when you have girlie yeah like when you have two words uh, particularly with like like you said the suffix een is attached to anything to make it smaller so like tig tigging Colleen just means like small child, like small girl, small girl child. So or just woman, or just well. <laughs> All right, girly. Yeah, girlene Even like my father would call me girlene like to mm. my face. You know, um, it's a kind of a pet name, and I suppose like that would be really common. Um, another one actually that I always found really weird. I I know the origins of it, but like up the country in the Midlands, they use the word garçon to to talk about like small young mm. young boys. Like get the garçon would be like get the youngest boy in the family. Um, which is obviously, oh. as our resident Francophile knows, exactly, yeah, which is kind of weird, mm-hmm. isn't it, that that word is not is not associated like with any of our, say, like port cities or towns, so like you don't find it in Galway, Cork, Waterford, Dublin, you find it in the Midlands, you know, which is yeah, kind of... Yeah, that is interesting. There's, there's a lot of uh, French influence on, on the Irish language, like the word Christian is, like, that's what I learned anyway in school from cuisine. Um, and there's several other ones that there is like an adaptation of the French there were into Irish a lot of, because like, there would have been a lot of there was a lot of waves of like French contact. immigration to Ireland like the French Huguenots mm-hmm. came here then we had like um, during the various wars but the political ties we tried to leave during the various wars with which mm-hmm. we tried to leave the British Empire the French were like yeah cool man we'll send mm-hmm. some soldiers yeah cool man we'll send we'll some help weapons yeah, no not a bother because we really don't need, like them we're, pro- we're catholics and they're yeah, Protestants, yeah. so like you know we'll help you out um yeah i just yeah. i think that's kind of funky and then the other thing that you hear and i i have a few examples but i'm not going to go on too much about it is where people just literally take the word from irish and put it into the english sentence so like i don't know would your parents mm, my be mom does on that. the you've no mass on that Mass, you know, mass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah mass yeah, is the yeah. Irish word for respect. So, like, if when I was younger, like, mm. say, I got dirt on a jumper, my mother would say, "Have you no mass on anything? Have you no mass on that shirt yeah. that I just bought you?" Um, so that would be one. Yeah. And then, like, another one might be like um, "schlachtfer," which is a word that my father would use all the time to describe something like as very tidy, as very well finished. Mm. Um, say like a work, kind of a workmanship aspect. So you say, "Geez, that's on schlachtfer mm. now there." Um, but he doesn't speak Irish, but he'd say, I'm Schlockford. That's, yeah, that's yeah. on Schlockford here now. And you'd say, like, yeah. where the fuck did you get that word? Like, do you know? My, uh, in West Cork, you'd hear schmacht. Put a bit of schmacht into you now. Yeah. Which is, like, respect or, like, a bit of, a bit of life into you. Even cop on. Like, a bit of cop on, I was on, actually yeah. trying to look up, like, yeah. where cop on came from. And there's really no definitive answer. And I just, I love the fact that it's, like, such an Irish, um like such an Irish kind of idea, like the idea of like, you can have cop on. Cop on. You can yeah, have yeah, no yeah. cop on. He's no cop You'd on. You'd be told no cop to on. cop on, you know, and like, yeah. it's such a kind of, uh, I suppose some people from outside of Ireland might've heard it in like Derry Girls where she, she says, catch yourself on. But like, catch, catch yourself, yourself on, on is not the same as cop on. It has the same meaning, but they're obviously mm. not the same. Um, that would have been a big, a, Ooh, and- a big thing. Go on. 
Another one my mother uses all the time is, God, he's very ladronic. Oh, God, is he very ladronic? God, he's so... Talking about the priest, if there was a bad priest now, she goes, oh, God, he was very ladronic. And I'd be like, oh, was he very ladronic, Mom? She goes, God, he was so ladronic. But ask her if she knows any Irish and she'll say no. She has these common ones, Ari, that like come into, into her language, like... The recent one, which I was telling a friend recently, and it's just so good, but it's not Irish, but she has a load of Irish words in her language, but she comes in and she, she comes in one day and now I know this woman for 31 years and I've never heard her, heard her say this. She comes into the house and she goes, she's like, she's like the wreck of the Hesperus in here. The what? I was like, what? The wreck of the Hesperus. I was like, what do you mean the wreck of the Hesperus? What's the wreck of the Hesperus? The wreck of the Hesperus was a poem she learned in primary school. And if I looked it up and it was a poem that is about just this, 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 um, this boat crashing basically. And it's quite long. And I was like, tell me, ma'am, when you learned that poem, did they make you learn it off? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, and then if they did, if they if they if you didn't get it correct did they beat you and she was like yeah i was like that's a great way of learning fucking poetry and prose isn't it great all together she goes god maybe that's why i don't like poetry so i was like well i know like yeah mom like someone someone introduced you to poetry and like art with a stick like that is thing but then she comes out and says like oh just like the wreck of the hesperus in here and i'd never heard of it but my my yeah but my mom my sister said yeah but she has all these other ones now i can't remember anyone but anymore but the irish definitely the ladronic one is a common one and especially when it goes to priests I love the other um, thing that I love giving a bad sermon the other thing that I love about Irish is just these kind of phrases not, not like the Irish like Caberno English is like some of these phrases that we have where like <laughs> do you know we have it like as I said translating directly from the Irish kind of these linguistic traditions um so like there's a thing in Irish uh, it's a reflexive pronoun so like uh may fain me myself mm. she fain her herself Sinn Féin we ourselves mm. um, and so like mm-hmm. my mother and father would often say like I come into the house and they go ah tis yourself yeah yeah, yeah look at yeah, himself yeah, yeah. look at himself there over there look at himself look at himself and it, it's this kind of or I'll say yeah or I'll say I'll come into the kitchen sometimes and I'll say to mom where's herself and she'll turn to me as if she doesn't know who I'm talking about and she'll be like who who are you talking about like you know who I'm talking about talking about my sister there's no other herself here is there where is herself and then you or or like men would say to each other where is herself is herself herself? is herself gone up she's gone like it means the girlfriend or the wife Wife, is herself around or her or the mother or someone's mother Uh, you know that would be a commonly the other one i like is um, actually the the kind of finality of the phrase sure look at you know, like I said, do you know if you're in a conversation with somebody and you just don't know what else to say and you've run out of stuff? To... Sure, look it. Sure, look. Sure, sure look. Sure, look. Sure, look. Um, that's like one of my favorite ways to like just kind of get away from someone. If you know what I mean, you just go there. Sure, yeah. look. It. Right. Sure, look. I'm off, and you're gone. Then you know. Yeah. I thought that was very funny. Sure, look. Right. Yeah. I think it's very like. It's very um, we don't have the solutions, and we're not going to come up with them here, so. <laughs> Bye. Like that's what yeah, sure look at me. Literally. Sure look at sure look. Sure look at anyway. It is how it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um it's the he's like people Irish people are modern day Ram Das when they say sure look at sure look at accept us how we yeah. are. Do you know? And the last one then, um, which I think is very common in a lot of a lot of places, but it's different in Ireland. Like they do have it in America is the whole I will yeah. Mm. Um meaning no. Uh, which mm. I think confuses like non-native speakers, people from England and, and whatever else they get it. But they do in America have a version of that where they they don't say I will mm. yeah, but they say something along those lines. And it, like you have to say it in a sarcastic tone because if you don't say it in a sarcastic mm-hmm. tone, it just doesn't have the same reticence, yeah. you know? Like I will yeah, go to the yeah. shop there for me. I will yeah. 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 There was, uh, there's actually, have you ever read Stones in her in his pockets? I have not. Or seen the play? It's really, really, really good. It's about, it's these two characters play all of the characters in the play. Um, It's actually a great read as well. And then there's like an American actress who comes over. And one of the scenes she's like, um, 
uh, I will, yeah. And also, I will in me, I, I, I will in me whole. I will be whole. So it's like, no, no, no. Yeah, it's like, no, it's like, I will, yeah. And I, I will, it's not I will in my whole, you know, it's, it was just very good. But the, that's excellent, excellent play. And like, delves into a lot of stereotypes and, and like, Irishisms as well. Amazing. But anyway, um, that's me. I think I'm that's out. all we have. So yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Um, a little bit yeah. shorter today, but maybe, you know, that's just what you need. Maybe just need a little short. That's fine. I mean, short is still nearly an hour. Short is sweet. You know, yeah, that's short for us, though, because like literally one day I was this year, I tell you, we were recording here one day for three hours and Christina was like, three Stop talking. Sarah and I was like but there's, My there's so brain. much more information there's so much more I can give and she's like this no no thing. one's gonna listen to this for three fucking hours it's only you that finds this interesting shut it's up it's done yeah well it's not even that like honestly I don't ever get an intellectual hangover but so I I I you, you and my sister give me intellectual hangovers and I've never experienced it and it's just because you're able to talk about a subject and I'm always the person who's able to talk about a subject I I am able to talk about a subject, but you two, my sister, sometimes I'm like, oh man, you know so much about this, but I need to sit down because my brain. And I was like, oh my God, I can't actually believe that there is someone who can out-talk me in the world. Oh, that is wild. Girl. Yeah. Like, I remember when we were younger, somebody in my class was like, I'm going to kiss the Blarney Stone at the weekend. And my teacher looked me dead in the fucking eye and was like, Serica, you do not need to kiss the fucking Blarney Stone. Do not kiss it. Like, stop. <laughs> so, yeah. That was telling you. That's like little me. She knew. She saw it coming down yeah, the line. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, yeah, thank you so yeah. much for okay. listening. And we hope Done. you found it informative and interesting. And let us know if it was something Surika that you liked. is the physical manifestation of... Bye, 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 bye. Oh, yeah. Bye, 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 bye. That's yeah, it. That's you. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Me. that's it. You never say bye. One more. Last, Last one, one now. And then one five more. afterwards. Yeah. No, I can't help myself. It's, it's yeah. a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much um, for listening. Um, follow us on social media. We are, also have a website now where you can read a... Um, I'll probably do a blog on uh, words because I'm also teaching a Polish woman English and I'm actually going to be teaching her stuff like this. So I'll, I, I'm going to talk about how words are important and the words that we use um, and about communication and language in general. So tune in for that. And yeah, thank you for listening to this. And we'll talk to you on social media. Tag us on social media, whatever you do. And encourage us to do more more regularly. <laughs> that would also be good. But anyway, okay. Okie dokie. Any last words? No, no, I'll stop now. No. Okay, right. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.